Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo, and I bring stories and cases from the people of color community, bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. Thursday, September 1st, 2016 was a warm end of the summer day in Waterville, Maine. And that whole week, in fact, had beautiful weather. A wonderful way to close out the last week before the unofficial end of summer on Labor Day. Lexi spent time with her friend of eight years. Afterward, Lexi's whereabouts are a mystery until she was spotted in the Kennebec River. This is Lexi's story. One in five people in the transgender community don't know where they're going to sleep this night. The lifetime rate of homelessness for trans people is two times that of a general population. From the press research collected by Trans Murder Monitoring, extreme violence has killed over 295 trans and gender diverse people between 1st of October of 2015 and September 30th, 2016. And often homelessness or house instability is a tangling factor in the growing rate of trans murders. For transgender people, housing instability often starts early and in the family home. While many families do eventually accept their children when they do come out as transgender, an initial negative reaction can set off a lifetime of consequences. Even if one can afford a home, 11% of people who responded to the National Center for Transgender Equality survey said they had been evicted from housing at some point in their lives because they are transgender or gender nonconforming, while a sobering 40% of people said that they had to move from their house or apartment due to anti-trans bias. Safe networks are a necessary tool that the transgender community has constructed and utilized to find shelter and survive, but they point to the underlying truth that the world is not safe for transgender people. It's important to remember that homelessness itself is a conjunction of discriminatory patterns that plague the transgender community at every turn in the form of both social attitudes and law. Lexi Tristram Saronen was born on August 6, 1973. Lexi's name is sometimes shortened by Lex by her friends. Born in Warwick, Rhode Island. Afterward, lived in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, East Province, Rhode Island, and then moved to Cornville, Maine in 1980. Waterville, Maine is a city within Kennebec County. It is on the west bank of the Kennebec River. Augusta is a nearby city and sometimes lumped in with Waterville when speaking about this area. Lexi attended school in Cornville, Skohagen, 
and graduated Crossroads class of 1993. She studied diesel mechanics with Job Corps and held several jobs in the food industry, customer service, and then later worked for Saronin's Radiator in Skohagen, Maine. She was a talented woman that loved people, a loyal friend who would do anything for anyone. And boy, did she have so many amazing hobbies. Camping, carpentry, mechanics, electronics, cooking, writing, drawing, designing tattoos, and on her free time, of course, visiting family and friends. Lexi could throw down playing the electric guitar but also can build a stone wall, collecting stones and minerals, designing jewelry, and welding sculptures. And ironically, Lexi's great-great-uncle was the Pulitzer Prize-winning main poet, Robert P. Tristram Coffin, in 1936, and he was also the poet editor for Yankee Magazine. Watervale, Maine, is almost at the northeastern tip of the U.S., and sits on the west bank of the Kennebec River. It is a quaint historic town with a well-preserved downtown. It boasts excellent hiking trails and downhill skiing and is one of the finest art museums in the country. It's no wonder, then, that Lexi wished to visit this beautiful summer spot in early September of 2016. She had friends in the area and was spending the week with them. Lexi was often on the move. She was described as a transient by law enforcement. Her friends and family said that Lexi liked to move around a lot and stay in different places. She was known to stay in the Skohagen area with friends in the Waterville and sometimes even down by the riverfront. Lexi is described as a kind and generous person with a big heart. Friends say she'd do anything for anyone giving them money when they needed it, and a place to stay if they were homeless. Another mentioned that, quote, she had a good heart in her, and people played on it. She was never out to hurt anybody, end quote. So around August 30th, 2016, there was an anonymous family member who lived in Skohagen, Maine, saying that Lexi lived with them. They said Saronin had been in Waterville, Maine, visiting friends one week prior to her death. The following day, one of Lexi's close friends of eight years visited her. Now, on September 5, 2016, around 10 p.m., Lexi's former apartment in Waterville, Maine, on Elm Street, was invaded. Lexi's friend makes a police report about the invasion and reports being assaulted in bed. Now Lexi's friend thought this tech was specifically for Lexi, but the darkness hid his identity from the attacker. So on September 6, 2016, at 8.14 a.m. on a Tuesday, an employee of the Brookfield Power Facility reported a body in the reservoir to the police. At 11.40 a.m., Lexi's body was recovered from the Lockwood Dam in the Kennebec River. This dam is nearby Hathaway Creative Center on Water Street. Waterville Fire Department, Brookville Crane Operators, Boats, and the Waterville Police all participated in the recovery. Lexi was only 43 years old. 
She was found only wearing pants, underwear, one sock, and one shoe. In today's mid-roll, we'll be in remembrance. And I wanted to contribute somehow to create something in the memories of who had lost their lives in 2016. And it was not just Lexi, but it was also Amos B, Brandy Bledsoe, Veronica Cano, Crystal Edmonds, Daniqua Dodds, D. Wingham, Demarcus Stansberry, Erica Tejerina, Goddess Diamond, Jasmine Sierra, Jazz Alford, Kaden Clark, Kadari Candice Johnson, Kayona Blakeney, Courtney Yochum, Maya Young, Mercedes Successful, Monica Lorera, Nuni Norwood, Ray Lynn Thomas, Shante Thompson, Sierra Simon Birch, Sky Mockaby, T.T. Sephora, and Tyrese Reese Walker. If you like to show your love, support, and educate on Trans Day of Remembrance, which takes place again on November 20th, I will have the link in the show notes. Wednesday, September 7th, Lexi's body was sent to the chief medical examiner. They spent time running tests looking for the cause of death. Waterville Police and Maine State Police are both investigating the death at that time, and it continued on to the following day, continue the investigation as well as more tests that were run to find the cause of her death. Friends of Lexi were speaking out with new outlets. Her friends couldn't stress it enough that Lexi would not end her own life. On September 18, 2016, Saronin's family celebrated a life memorial service in East Medicine, Maine. And at the time, the family asked for perennial plants to plant in Lexi's memorial garden instead of flowers. On September 19, Chief Medical Examiner Dr. says the results for the autopsy were still pending. And the investigation is still ongoing and still being done by both Waterville Police and Maine State Police. And finally, Waterville Deputy Chief announced that the apartment invasion involving at Lexi's apartment at the time of her friend being attacked was being investigated separately from Lexi's death. And they thought that the event which occurred the day before Lexi's body was found wasn't connected. Four months later, on January 1, 2017, law enforcement didn't identify that there was autopsy findings and what they identified in the autopsy report per public request. The cause of death was undetermined. Her body had been submerged too long. The report concludes that drowning is the most likely cause of death but cannot determine if Lexi was alive or dead when entering the water. No other trauma was found on her body. And the chief medical examiner said that quote-unquote toxicologic findings may help explain Lexi's quote state of mind around the time of death, end quote. 
So what the chief medical examiner is identifying as the toxicologic findings is that they reported alcohol, narcotics, and stimulants in her system. NMS labs in Pennsylvania did the toxicology. And Lexi had 91 milligrams per deciliter of ethanol, 65 nanograms per milliliter of methamphetamine. Now, the report didn't differentiate between the two forms of methamphetamine. One is considered an abused substance and the other isn't. 69 nanograms per milliliter of methylphenidate, which is also Ritalin, a stimulant that's like amphetamine. And this type of amphetamine is used to treat disorders. 9.2 nanograms per milliliter of buprenorphine, which is a synthetic derivative of an opioid. And it's used to treat pains, drug addictions, yet it's more potent than morphine. This is something that is not intended to be mixed with alcohol or illegal drugs. Now, it's important to note that the chief medical examiner who performed the autopsy is a controversial figure in the community, has several complaints filed against him. There was high profile murder cases that he changed his opinion on in the middle, which prompted his mistrial. And because of the determination of the cause of death from the chief medical examiner, the Waterville police closed the investigation into Lexi's death. This week marks eight years since Lexi was last seen alive. Lexi's case was closed after an autopsy ruled her death as undetermined. No suspects were named. And a toxicology report finds drug alcohol in her system but failed to provide if they were recreational or prescription. And friends say they definitely believe Lexi's death was not a suicide. One of her friends even mentioned, quote, she loved her life. She wanted a life just like anybody else, end quote. Now, even though Lexi's case is closed, there are several people feel like it should still be open. I myself, I hope that her suspicious death has real closure. That is the reason why I'm doing this episode specifically for her, because no arrests or leads were ever announced. And if you have any information, please contact the Waterville Police at 207-680-4700 or go to Crime Stoppers USA and you can submit an anonymous tip at 1-800-222-TIPS. I will have the links in the show notes. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to my dear colleague who is a content creator and a true crime podcaster who is providing me additional information from her ominously positive podcast blog. If you want to support her, I will provide her link tree in the show notes. Thank you, MW. Thank you for listening to Hands Off My Podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support the mission, 
I do have a Patreon membership that will help the cause and bring more detail on cases and stories from the people of color community. If you yourself has a lost loved one or a story suggestion, please don't hesitate to contact me at email. Handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com And if you are only able to support in another way, please give this podcast a 5-star rating on Apple or Spotify and continue to listen to upcoming episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Dios te bendiga.